I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our podcast producer, my 12-year-old Boston Rat Terrier, Murray, has a very discerning palate. Luckily, Nom Nom's Turkey Fair recipe not only has fresh ingredients, but it's also made with his favorite food, brown rice. It sure is. Nom Nom's food is full of fresh proteins your dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. You can actually see proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, pork, peas, carrots, kale, and more. Your dog's health starts in the gut, and a better diet means softer coats, more energy, and better breath. This is how Nom Nom works. You tell them about your dog, age, breed, weight, allergies, protein preferences, they'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them straight to you. Store the meals in the freezer or fridge until it's mealtime. They'll give you specific instructions on how to transition your dog from foods like kibble to the always fresh Nom Nom for the best results. Watch your dog clean their dishes, dance for more dinner, and overall thrive. And if your dog is anything like Murray, ooh, he is going to dance for dinner, and clean his dish sometimes at the same time. Isn't it time to feel good about the food you're feeding your dog? Order Nom Nom today. Go to trynom.com slash old millennials. That's trynom.com slash old millennials and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Bye. As old millennials, we've been prioritizing health and wellness a lot more these past few years. While we may not be Spencer pratting it up, just not just yet. I mean, Emily, don't don't count us out here with crystals <laughs> on our bodies. We are thinking how much more we need to stay hydrated. Recently, I started traveling with at least one liquid IV stick in my bag to make sure I'm staying extra hydrated, especially when it gets hotter or after a night of a little too much fun. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Use it the first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel a rundown, or after a long night out and on long flights. My sister recently got married, and as her maid of honor, I put liquid IV sticks in all the bachelorette party bags, and my sister and her husband put them in their goodie bags when we traveled to Costa Rica for the wedding. Those came in super handy after hitting an open bar in the sweltering heat. I'm a big fan of, yeah, it was very nice to have. I'm a huge fan of the watermelon ones and the tangerine flavor, which has an immune boost. 
even better when you're traveling and worried about keeping your immune system going. They fit easily in a toiletry case or even a tiny purse, so it's super easy to pour one in your water bottle. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone and contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and probably, I mean, I know for a fact because I recently had a Gatorade, uh, a much better taste. Oh, absolutely. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code OLDMILLENNIALSPOD, that's OLDMILLENNIALSPOD, at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code OLDMILLENNIALSPOD at liquidiv.com. Bye. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and 2000s. But actually, this is our little summer mini season that has absolutely, well, it has everything to do with pop culture, but nothing to do mm, with a deep dive. We'll, we'll put it that way because it is nostalgia. We are recapping and just like that. For our summer mini season, I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I am your other host, Emily Bejan. Yeah. Can you tell we didn't write that down? <laughs> I'm just so used to the autopilot, but it is true. Like there is, there's a pop culture element to covering and just like that. And there's a nostalgia factor because the show has continued to be haunted by the specter of the superior sex in the city or, you know, in everybody's opinion, the superior sex in the city. There's just, I feel like there's just haunting everywhere. It's sex in the city. It's like the last couple of episodes that we're going to recap. I'm, I'm just like, you know, I went kind of Stefan on this. I was like, this has everything. It has old people dick pics. It has Gloria Steinem. It has Billy D. Williams. It has a Hamilton reference by an actor who was nominated for a Hamilton role. Like there's just, it is, it, there's so many references that I had to start, you know, keeping a tab of everything that I've, I've witnessed. Well, you know, I'm going to be straight up with you and feel free to purchase a straight jacket. Um, but I really enjoyed these last two episodes. Oh, I know I did too. I feel like especially five, uh, this, I think like, five is a real, and I hate this phrase return to form, but the yes. last two episodes, these two episodes are about to talk about episodes four and five, which let's look up the names real quick. Why does Google make it so hard? I know I'm running into the same thing. It's like, just give me what episode five is called something. Pump and dump. Okay. Wait, is that it? I feel like it's not. I think that might be wrong. <laughs> Why is it so hard? How is this happening? Oh, here. Okay. Why can't anybody just tell us the fucking titles? Well, the so other many... one was so easy to find. Oh, it's... here we go. Okay. Okay, so we're going to talk about the last two episodes, which are episode four, Vivant, and episode five, called Trick or Treat. Oh, okay. Trick or Treat. But yeah, I 
I really enjoyed these last two episodes. I strongly believe that season one should have started at season two, episode four, to be totally honest. I don't feel like, I feel like we did not need any of that extra shit. Like in, and I know this is kind of jumping all over the place just as like an overview of our thoughts, but when Naya invited Miranda to move in with her, I was like, yes, this is where we should have been like towards the end of season one at the very least. Like why do we do all this other well, like circus clown shit? Like, I, I really, and I said this in our last recap episode, I, I really do not think that Michael, Michael Patrick King should be writing these episodes himself. Like, fine, I don't want to be the showrunner, fine, you want to direct it, whatever. But these last two episodes have nothing to do with him. As a matter of fact, Trick or Treat is co-written by Samantha Irby. And I just feel like they're so much more fun and they're light. And I, I think there's still too many characters. Like, there's, the show still has yeah. issues. But I laughed, legitimately laughed multiple times during two episodes. I did I, not I, feel that that, like secondhand cringe that I did during that first season it really felt a lot more natural like it felt like the relationships actually like finally hit their their stride if you will I what I like about these two episodes is um I think we did a lot of backstory in season one and exposition in terms of these friendships these new friendships and I get that there would have had to be some introduction here and there. I almost wonder if, you know, we could have just gotten rid of all of season one, really, and just had Carrie start out as a widow. And, you know, we, we much like how the original show starts in the middle of things, we exactly. learn bits and pieces of how these characters meet. I actually think that would be a much more compelling story is where we already have Carrie in her new apartment. And, you know, I hate to use aggressive, new aggressive apartment. Sorry. New old apartment. Yeah. But also, new- what did we, to your point, though, before you go any further, what did we even gain from season one, right? No, a character nothing. that's universally reviled named Che. Like, I know. What did we genuinely, what did we gain? I, uh, we, all, we all decided to dump on Miranda because I, I know that Cynthia Nixon's going around being like, oh, Miranda's always been daffy. I'm like, no, you guys have made her straight up stupid and like no, no fun whatsoever. Like, Miranda has no fun. She is all just losing her mind. And so what what did we do? You undid a great character. Yes. And I really just felt like the last episode, the first season could have been the first episode. It's just like dump his stupid ass ashes, text Samantha, and let's get on with everything. I, I think, yeah, I think we we eliminate an entire season. I think that we use, you know, bits and pieces, flashbacks here and there, not aggressive, sure. but like to tell the backstory of how this came to be. But yeah, I think that the the entire I think Michael Patrick King did a huge disservice to this re, to this show by having this entire season of exposition leading mm-hmm. us up to this point because for the first time these two episodes have given us some episode it's not a bottle episode. I know that. But what I mean is that it's a plot line that can live in that episode. And well, yeah, like they just what Sex in the City does great. It's a typical like like SVU has like a crime of the week. Yes. Sex in the City used to have a man of the week. Exactly. Would, and it would happen to one of the four of them. And we lost all of that. Yes. And everybody suddenly became so serious and like so uptight as if the show didn't used to have the word sex in the title of it. That just felt so off tonally but it was so nice to have two 90s ass plot lines happening in episode five and especially because peter herman was in sex in the city's original run it was just so nice 
to see it and and but also have this flavor of like new stuff like Carrie is rich now she does have to worry about like legitimately getting sued sued and then I would and I being love- hit up by for money by people who know that she's a billionaire widow I do love that these last two episodes were all call had all bits and pieces that were callbacks to the original show. So in season four, so in this episode four, we have a threesome of albeit a very uncomfortable threesome scene, but it's a callback to the first season where there's an episode all about threesomes. And then we have this episode where I'm pretty sure like someone gets hurt in one of the episodes of when one of the girls is dating someone in the original show. And we have that. And then we of course have Peter Herman who shows up different character but still um and then i just what i loved is that we had these like slight callbacks to the original framework of the show and plots that were referenced but done in a funny updated modern way to your point carrie has to worry about being sued now uh miranda is in a relationship with a non-binary person and the ex-husband is going to potentially have a threesome with them on uncomfortable ikea furniture and there's just like these little bits and pieces which were making me to your point laugh out loud which i have not done on with this show very much and that is really unfortunate because this is at the center of it, a very funny show, or at least the foundation on which the show was built was a very funny show. And so I'm happy to see these first two episodes where we can laugh and it feels easy breezy. And honestly, I know it sounds horrible, but I wasn't looking at the clock because sometimes with these 40 minute long episodes, that's my struggle is that, you know, when you are making the episodes longer than their traditional show run, which was a sharp 30 minutes, it is it you know with the 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 flow of some of these episodes it would cause me to pause and see how much time I have left. Well, I really do feel like they should bring it back down to 30 minutes. I agree. I I really don't think that they need all the extra time because in all of the extra time, they just fill it with plot lines that don't fit the show. Like Lisa Todd Wexley is still in a separate spinoff doing something different. And I really can't say that I give a single shit that Herbert is running for comptroller. As a matter of fact, I (laughs) have a note in here. Why don't you just save your money? Like, it's a waste of money to do this. What a role, like, of all things to be running for local office for, city comptroller. Like, I just... But I also have to say that I did laugh in the first season, just not uh, on purpose, like, the way that right. they would want you no, to. No, agreed, agreed. You know, now talk- when people give Carrie shit for showing up to a Halloween party dressed like she always does, I actually laugh on on purpose. And I- Americans joke was a very funny runner. Like, I have to, I really got to give it up to Harry and Charlotte. Like, yeah. seriously, let's, let's continue to de-emphasize the kids because a bulk of my notes are just talking about how much I think Brady's a fucking loser and that Rock's super annoying. So let's keep focusing on, like, the hygiene that surround being a parent or having kids and less so on the children themselves. Yes. Okay. So I'm glad you bring up Harry and Charlotte here because Charlotte felt very original show Charlotte, especially in episode five with this like Americans plot line. And then even, Oh, Harry- I mean, even the, just like I used to be a teen model for Ralph Lauren. It's like a I direct callback, but I-, I also want to say that like Charlotte, <laughs> 
having the sex plot line in episode four was also a delight because Charlotte, everybody thinks that she's a prude because she's a wasp, no. but she's like a total freak. She's like the only one. Who I is, love the she's more, slut, like angle. <laughs> but she's also had like more um, varied experiences than Carrie. That's true. With like how adventurous she is. Like, I just find that to be so, so funny. But I, I did find that whole come conversation to really feel so much like old sex in the city. I know. I, I, we need we need Mario Cantone at all the girl brunches because that is such a fucking perfect fit. Like, why, yes. why haven't we been doing this any conversation if I've ever heard one? Ugh, it just I, doesn't it, make any sense. Like, some of this stuff was, like, so obvious. That's what made the first season so infuriating was, like, you guys could have been doing this the whole fucking time. I agree. And so I think because you bring up the Charlotte plotline from season, sorry, from episode four, maybe it's good we start with episode four, get into it more sure. so. Before we get into it, though, I do want to say we obviously acknowledge that in the time between our last episode and this episode, SAG has gone on strike. So that makes it a double strike summer with the WGA and SAG. And I want to say I did look into this because I don't want to, although I have no intention of ever joining a SAG union. I am a union supporter and uh, I don't want to cross any lines. So recapping a show because we don't work for HBO. We don't work for Max. We do not work for that absolute ghoul, David Zlavs. Um, we are a completely independent podcast. Any money that we could hope to make from this show yes. goes right back to us to us. continue to produce. Yes. We don't spend it or put it in our bank account whatsoever. So no. all of that being said, I just want to say that we are, I believe, unless somebody wants to correct me and I'm happy to take feedback but we are well within our bounds to be recapping the rest of it and just like that with this we support sag we support the ga we want everybody to get a fair deal we don't believe that billionaires should exist but we do we would like to talk about the show we're gonna do it anyway with each other's and we hope that you're enjoying it so i just wanted to yes. put that this is not nowhere near the top but like vaguely somewhere in here somewhere. so people know that we're not um breaking any rules or crossing any lines because we would never do that no and i obviously we stand very much in solidarity with these people um fair is fair people should have the wages they deserve fuck the idea of an ai extra like and also i gotta point out one last thing when you posted on instagram today the salary oh of God, the ceo two hundred was like 280 million <laughs> i was like this is stupid money. This is stupid money. Like I think about how much I would like to improve my life if I had more money and the things that I want out of life, like a new car, maybe a bigger apartment, like (laughs) just like pale in comparison to like $280 million annual salary. Like my God, no person needs that much money. No, (laughs) There's literally no point. None. Um, you know, tax the rich, uh, wealth hoarding should be a literal crime. And yeah, uh, fuck the AMPTP. They're a bunch of fucking sentient oysters. They're just really awful. And it's time to shuck them. Yeah, into the fucking trash. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, so yes, let's get into Vivant. Do you want to go um, like story like uh character by character in terms of like storyline yeah because there I think is that makes some like, sense. intersecting with charlotte yeah. and ltw who i call yes. ldw here <laughs> like, whoops, <laughs> that's my bad 
thinking about planning our Labor Day weekends. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, who do you want to start with in terms of like talking about their plots? I think Carrie's probably the best just because she that's where we start at the beginning of this episode. Um, I do not understand her and Bobby Lee's friendship. No, I don't either. Why is this happening either. to us? Why does it need to continue is my Why question. Why do bad things happen to good people? <laughs> they are no longer working together. Right? Like, what is and this? Really- considering- His wife fucked up your Met Gala dress. Like, yes. what is there to talk about at this what point? What else is there to talk about at this point? There are so many other old friends in Carrie's life that we haven't heard from that I would much rather see. Like, be more bitsy. I was glad I was to gonna say, I want her. more horny bitsy. Like, fuck Bobby great. Lee. I want I to know. go. I want to go to the Regency Hotel bar and watch my girl Bitsy land some dude to rail her later. Yes. Like, that's what she is. So yes. living. She, I love it. Bitsy. She I is my just, favorite side character right now. Like, can we cut the crap with these like extra plot lines about like what's going on with some of these new side characters and like get a little bit more sprinkling of like bitsy like plowing her way through j-date i just yeah i love it for her so much um so of course we with a big plot line here is that carrie bumps into enid her old editor at vogue played by candace bergen and she wants candace to promote her book on her very famous newsletter Substack. And Candace Bergen as Ina, who's always been a kind of bitch to Carrie, which sometimes, you know, Carrie needs that. So it's good for Ina to keep her in check. She's like, I won't do that. However, I'm starting a new, new, you know, a new side thing by the name of Vivant. And it's for ladies like you and me. And so Carrie starts to wonder, oh, gee, I'm 50 something. Does that mean I get lumped into the 60s, 70s, 80s and above a group of women? So that's kind of that plot line. I think I've summarized it somewhat in that respect that's pretty good i would also say that um this plot like oh carrie being thinking that something is one way and it's usually like the more shallow version of it of like i'm not old and her and seema talking about how they're like juniors or sophomores not seniors yet and i really did love the like faux outrage of like we're not the same age but then to be (laughs) then uh exposed that like she doesn't give a fuck about your writing she just wants your money which i thought was i just i really loved that reveal it's typical carrie shit it's typical Carrie shit, and I got to hand it to the writers because the, this episode and the next one we'll talk about, they actually acknowledge the kind of money this woman is now mm-hmm. worth because I think it would have been very easy in a Michael Patrick King kind of world to kind of sweep that under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist. I appreciate it that they are actually acknowledging that she is a very rich widow. So I just I appreciate that. I completely agree. That's I think that was the other refreshing part. About how, I mean, essentially, Carrie gets swindled into giving Enid this money because Bitsy airdrops a dick pic to Carrie at this fundraiser. Like, that condo. Are you stooping? And also, that condo is definitely from Devil Wars Prada, right? It is. They already already talked about it. The second that they opened on that staircase, I'm like, I know that fucking staircase. Yes. Where is Meryl? That's all I got. As if it is my own home. Um, and I thought that was a very fun plot line. And then I appreciated uh, the surprise cameo of Gloria Steinem, which was a fun 
to, you know, I just appreciated that little bit. But yeah, I think that was a very funny because to your point, Carrie loves to always dissect things and thinks that things are so much more deep than they actually are. Um, and I think she forgets. I, I appreciate also in episode five that she remembers that she is rich, where in this episode, she clearly, I don't think, has fully realized it quite yet, apart from, you know, being able to shop a bit more. Well, I think it's actually just her perception of herself. She doesn't yes. see herself as necessarily a rich person. Yes. She's always had a spending habit. I think she, yes. she sees herself as a writer first. And I think especially within the context of her and Enid running into each other and her basically asking Enid, because the whole crux of it is that she's she asks Enid if she can have a little blurb about her book in this famous newsletter. Yeah. She says, if I do that for you, I've got to do it for everybody. So Carrie decides that she's going to go in and agree to take this job that hasn't even been offered or mentioned to her yet because, you know, she was talking about her book the last time she yes. saw Enid. The context of their relationship is her writing for Vogue. I I do understand where her assumption comes from, but the I wouldn't have assumed that Enid thinks that they're the same age or within the same. I don't know, like the, you know when you're doing like surveys and it's got like the the age yeah, demographics, eighteen like, to twenty five. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think Carrie's firmly in fifty to fifty five, and Enid's in like sixty five to seventy five. I I you know I, we, that's easy to see, but I do appreciate that Carrie is trying she's always been so bad at like promoting herself is went into that meeting trying to leverage like oh i'll take this shitty job as like a pity thing as long as you blurb my book but then when she realizes that oh yeah i actually have power in like a different way that matters to people not as a writer like i, I think it took that to get her to step outside of herself and realize that she the way the people view her isn't that way anymore yes i agree in terms of other things for that particular plot line is there anything else that we should probably cover in it? No, other. I mean, I just thought that the Carrie getting like these random texts from this old guy throughout was also very funny. Very, she, very funny. I love boats. She's like, okay. <laughs> but I also really enjoyed the brunch scene with Carrie and Charlotte and Miranda and uh, Anthony. Yes. And I loved her, uh, the Casper, the friendly jizz ghost joke was funny and her calling come an old friend that she would miss that like annoys her but would miss it if it was gone was also very classically carry and funny yes it, it was i <laughs> i think this is a perfect place to transition to someone mm -hmm. else at this brunch table which yeah, is charlotte exactly. <laughs> sure yeah i mean she it's mostly like about charlotte this episode yes uh, so for context, the kids are off to camp and which uh, what school also has a school wide four week summer camp? What is that? Is that is that for rich people only? Or? Well, I know there's like schools that will do day camps and it's like a week by week thing. But yeah, to your point, not a four week thing. It's like a, a four week day. overnight. camp. Yeah, that's not a I mean, clearly that might be a rich person thing or that just might be a plot device because, yeah, the only camps I've ever heard of from a school are going to be of the day camp camp a week at a time variety that makes sense but now that the kids are out of the <laughs> out of the picture harry and charlotte are hurrying back home because turns out charlotte loves herself some cum and unfortunately harry is a, a little dry down there and so uh they must go see a doctor where they are going learning that harry needs to start doing some exercises to try to <laughs> 
get that back. And uh, so begins an uncomfortable And like, he needs montage. to work out with his pelvic floor. I, thought, I really thought the doctor eating the, the cliff bar <laughs> while like dryly telling Harry that his, oh, this is so disgusting, that his sperm goes into his bladder like I like the human body and you know I for know. reasons outside of this episode I'm like I need to know less about yes. what goes wrong in there it is quite frankly like the ocean none of my fucking business what happens in there like I yes. I don't want to know yeah so knowing that Harry's sperm gets like lost on the way out and like goes into his bladder is so well, I like it's hard to hear about my guy being like this I but, I same. but it led to drill sergeant charlotte yelling <laughs> pelvic floor exercises at him Which and that I, really also made me laugh it made me laugh too because it was such a callback to an episode of charlotte talking about doing her kegels at the at the mm-hmm. brunch table one time and she's like see i'm doing them right now and charlotte basically says the same thing or a variation of that and i it was like this very sweet moment of like you know, these these women teach each other things over the years and like it comes out in these like cute places like um, that was very funny. I had a lot of fun with that plot line. Um, yeah, I just I you know what Harry and Charlotte. I mean, they I've always been team Harry and Charlotte from the beginning. I've always loved them. So I'm really enjoying this uh, segment of them in their 50s. And I mean, we'll talk more about them in the next episode. I was just like such I. I fucking love them. <laughs> They're the fun parents, that's for sure. Because you know this is not super fun. No. Lisa and her husband. Um, city, soon to be a city, city controller, Con- Herbert. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, I don't give a fuck about this guy's job. Why are you no. telling me this? No. Uh, so, but if this man cannot even send an Evite out for a party, Margot, how is this man supposed to be managing the money in the city of New York? I ask. Well, because it's so um, it's such an unlikely scenario that that would happen. Like if you have a catered party for however many fucking people, that's a lot of back like over 10 people. You're having some catered dinner at a restaurant. There is so much back and forth and questions and subbing out and final head counts. Yes. And in order to do that, you need to check the evite. So the fact that dietary restrictions doesn't make any sense to me to the point where that was so out of the realm of possibility to me that I was like, was it a COVID thing? Like, why isn't Carrie here? Like, why isn't Anthony here? You're telling me that like Seema couldn't make it. Like what, why is it so empty? It was such a strange plot port, like a plot device, I suppose to, to, to engineer Lisa's and her mother-in-law and her dad, Billy D. Williams, and her <laughs> husband to have some sort of like accomplishment off. I'm just sort of like, and all and, and in all of this, Victor Garber is just sitting there offering Charlotte oh. a job. And I'm like, Charlotte, you stupid bitch, take the job. Why would you take, take the, the job? job? Because of unless, fucking like your kids, they're grown. They're like teens and preteens. They don't I, need you. Unless I can be guaranteed that Charlotte's full-time job as a mom will be met with the same kind of drama we got in that episode with the hot list and we get that petty stuff for the rest of the season. And I don't think we will. Yeah. Take the job. Just take the job. Go Ugh. do that. Go, go back to doing art. Like the kids are grown. They can take care of themselves. 
Yeah. Like your yeah. kids do not need you now more than ever. Isn't Lily like going to college soon? Like give me I, a fucking No, break. she's trying to be Vanessa Carlton, all right? It doesn't even matter. You live in New York. They can take the subway. It's fine. And oh, by the way, you're so, so rich. Don't you have a driver? Get a goddamn job, Charlotte. These people are selectively rich in the weirdest of instances. It's oh, they like, need we, me so bad. Have- Don't you have hired help? What are we talking we, about? We have the money to give Lily an entire wardrobe of Chanel and other designer pieces. Your 15 or 16 year old kid who doesn't give a, who's going to probably stain everything, but you don't have the money to have hired help to drive them around and pick them up after school. Like what is this? It is that's bullshit. That's it's that is not bullshit. a well thought out. Yeah, like no. that. I see the whole the there. money in the Golden Blot household. I have it quite, flows. Come on, it flows. I mean, that whole house is Charlotte's from the divorce. Like it is. That thing is worth so much, much money. money. I know. And Ugh. Harry came into this to this marriage with money too because of his yeah. job. So like, I don't. They're know. loaded. We're like they're loaded. They have not left this place. So if you accumulate that kind of wealth in New York and at this plate at this point, I'm let's because I know this this show never makes sense with finances, but let's mm-hmm. get real here. They've had Charlotte's had this mortgage for what, 25 years at this point, if we're talking it's show paid years. off. It's paid off. It's paid off. It's paid off. There's no way she didn't if she wouldn't have given Carrie the money to buy her old apartment if she didn't feel like her mortgage was in a good place, I don't think. Yeah. Charlotte's I agree. too, I wouldn't say frugal, but she's too like rational and pragmatic to do something like that. It's, and that is where the wasp comes out. Like mm-hmm. it's her, it's the way she dresses, the way she'll, she'll put up fronts about things. And then it's the way she manages her money. Totally. Well, let's talk about somebody who's like, obviously didn't manage her money very well because she can't even move out of the house that she shares with her ex-husband. Okay. Miranda, or as I like to say in my notes, back to Miranda's embarrassing life. <laughs> Christ. I mean, it was embarrassing. She, I'm so glad she doesn't like a fucking clown because she is, she is a joke. She is a joke. Let's talk about Miranda's finances. So let's talk about the, the woman, husband because holy yeah. shit, shirtless Steve. Sure. I mean, divorce is treating him well. My God. At least someone's doing well. Like, <laughs> the grunting. I mean, just treating his this Brooklyn brownstone the way he would have treated his studio of his back in the 90s with the bar chin up bar my god Uh, I just I love it's very like man in crisis like all he has to do is also bleach his hair blonde and everyone would be very worried about Steve I yeah yeah, so so he's like doing the machinist diet and like doing 100 pull-ups a day like it's just so wild The Hobbs Brady house is a. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A, a home that has been divided and... Uh, even Brady is over this shit, which I appreciate. And uh, and Miranda is uh, sort of moving moving in with Che in this interesting apartment situation, which Che Diaz, star of a network TV show, is buying nothing but Ikea furniture as a 45-year-old no, human. No, Che is 46 because I have 46. in my notes for the next episode, Che is 46? I had no 46. idea. A 46-year-old adult uh-huh. is buying nothing but Ikea furniture. Well, okay. Good Ikea. Do not make me fucking get out here and defend Che's thought process. But Che is very much in a state of arrested development. And so I'm sure they never grew out of buying garbage furniture. I don't think they know how to, for a a lack of a better term, because I absolutely fucking do. I agree with John early. Some some millennial vocab should be tried in the Hague. Um, I don't think the chain knows how to adult. Like they're not good at adulting, if you will. And and so it doesn't it makes sense to me that they would buy the cheapest, shittiest, whatever furniture, because, you know, they're still living like they're in their 20s. I mean, as we come to find out over these next two episodes. Yes. Che, you know, goes to bed at four o'clock in the morning and is up all night smoking weed, which like begs the question, like, how? But anyway, again, you're 46 and it's not making you tired. Like, what are we doing? Uh, this is, I think, the things that, more than anything, maybe it's not the Ikea of it all. I think it's what Che does to their body on a regular basis, what we've seen in the last two episodes, to a 46-year-old body that me as a 35-year-old body just just like shudders at. Exactly. Um, I think that's why I was so shocked when Chase like, I'm 46. I went, you said what now? You're how old? And yeah, again, not to be ageist, but again, shocked. I mean, you know, yes. to Sarah Ramirez's credit, they look great. But also it's like the behavior too yes. reads very immature. And like, at the very least, I just thought like a stunted 40. Yes. So if you wonder why Oliver Hudson showed up a few episodes, he's back and he uh, shows up. And so we learn a little bit about Oliver Hudson, which, by the way, the scene where Carrie and Oliver Hudson are talking, uh, I really thought something was going to happen there. Me too. That's where and I was like, I don't oppose this. Like, I think this could be a good, you know, plot line for an episode for Carrie. But like, it doesn't. (laughs) Not only does it not go there. It goes somewhere very different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to say I, the timeline between how long Che was shooting their show and then and how long Miranda has been in New York is kind of unclear to me because of the way that they act in that episode was I wrote somewhere like they they're making out like Travis and Courtney. I'm like, how long has it been since they've seen each other? Like, why are they? tonguing each other down like this but also i did find it incredibly rude for miranda to ditch her friend with a fucking stranger so that they could bang che in the bathroom like grow up i know don't drag carrie here then she doesn't need to do this she's very rich (laughs) she has been victim to you and che banging not once but i know within, within 50 feet 
Jail. Stop re-traumatizing. And don't even fifty. We haven't even mentioned the fucking strap on of it all. Uh, Like, stop re-traumatizing your friend. That's your friend. Stop it. Carrie, it's it's interesting because Carrie has boundaries in the stupidest ways possible that make her character yes. hilarious. And, and like, yet offended about the the worst, the weirdest thing. You're God like, forbid she says vagina. I'm like, oh, because Che and Oliver Hudson used to be married and they had a girlfriend. Like, that's your line. That's your fucking line. You also grow up, Carrie. Grow up. That's so ridiculous. Eventually, there is a scene in which no, uh, oh my God. <laughs> we, we got to say it. So Miranda and Shay are trying to go to bed, but Oliver Hudson has fallen asleep on the bed. And so they're like, well, we're just going to have to sleep around him. And so insane. They do. Sorry. Insane. insane. Didn't get it. Insane. I was immediately like, oh, no. This oh, is no. Crap, Miranda. This is. And so eventually, because people do this. Che's ex-husband, while sleeping, uh, Miranda and Che Che decide, yeah, let's go ahead and start doing it. And so they start hooking up. And then they wake up Oliver Hudson, who just decides to start participating. And Che's, like, into it. And they're like, are you sure you're into it, Miranda? And she's like, yeah, I'm into it. I can go with this. And while Miranda is, like, in a a, a piece piece of this puzzle, she's just trying to fit herself in here. All oh, sudden, it was so uncomfortable to watch Charlie her horse. climb on. Well, she she got a Charlie horse while trying to climb on top of them while they're yes. making out. I'm like, what's that going to do? And so we don't know to this day if 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 Miranda faked the Charlie horse or we can speculate, real. though. Do you we are can. you team faker or are you team real? I I'm team faker. I like, and I know Miranda would do get a Charlie horse during a threesome. Like that would have been a plot line in another time in another place. But I think Miranda is too afraid to admit anywhere with Shay that something is just not her. Yep. I totally agree. I think she's team faker. I don't think she's cool with it. I don't think that I think she Miranda is starting to slowly come to the realization that their lifestyles are incompatible in a lot of ways that at her age, Miranda's age, she doesn't want to – I just think that they're incompatible. I don't think that she's willing to, like, try different things or, like, be super adventurous. Maybe she would like to think so, but I, I don't think that it's in Miranda's nature to be like that. No, no, and I think that's a good segue, unless you have anything else to say, I think, to the next episode because I think this continues Yes, because I think well. that – the failed threesome, although it ends on a happy note, I can't even believe this. Her and Che end up sleeping on the broken couch. Why wow. does Oliver Hudson get a whole ass bed? What? Make that make sense. It it doesn't. Because he is awake now. So he, you go ahead and show yourself to the couch, sir. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, yeah, let's. Let's segue. Let's keep talking about Miranda and Che then since we're on them already. And I really did. This is like the first time I actually, I wouldn't say enjoyed watching the relationship, but it started to feel like, okay, finally, like Miranda's like starting to like wake up her. Yes. She's like starting to pass her truing test. She's she's doing better. Miranda, for the first time in a very long time in this show makes a decision at the end of this episode that on that makes sense 
that it's it's that is a logical choice to make. That is something Miranda would very much do under any other circumstance. Like this is the first episode when she makes the decision to go bunk with Naya that actually makes fucking sense and would be something Miranda would do. Yeah, because I really felt like the the commuting between yes. that that Miranda oh has to God. do between Chase Place back to Brooklyn, Brooklyn. then to Columbia, then because she's is she at Columbia. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, then to yes. Columbia and and back again. Like uh, you really, I mean, I really felt that. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that Mm-mm. sucks. Like Mm-mm. that is a rough commute. It Living wears on bags? you. Oh hell no. Yeah. It just. I really and I also really appreciated that kind of that felt also like an old school Sex and the City plot cl- plot line of like, oh, like I'm seeing somebody that lives on the opposite side of town and how that's yes. like, really affecting their relationship. So I really appreciate that. That's also where like the story starts with them in this episode. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was a really good montage of just showing Mm -hmm. the terrible commute she's doing every single day. And what's interesting to me is that the two people she seems to be doing it for don't really care whether or not she does it. They're on both sides of her life. They're like, you really don't have to be doing this. She's like, (laughs) no, I want to. And you're like, okay. I think that's when you, you kind of start to feel that Miranda is actually kind of like hanging on by a thread. She is the codependency. And it's interesting because, you know, this, we, we didn't talk about it too much because it's a very short thing, but I think it's the second episode where we see her go to AA, right? So she's, she is, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she has started going to AA. um, And so clearly she is not drinking anymore. At least we think, you know, and I feel like some of the things that she relied on before be it in alcohol or whatever, now it's kind of manifesting itself into this like codependency of feeling like she needs to feel needed by both of these people in her life. And she is, this is the mother in Miranda very much because of the way her relationship is turning into this kind of mothering relationship with Che, where it's almost like Miranda's two teenagers in her life. And it's, it's Che on one side and she's waking up to Che on one side and then going to wake up Brady on the other. Oh my, yeah, completely. And and I felt like there was nothing, it, it became so clear in that scene where Che is reeling from the feedback that they got from the focus group, which we can unpack in a second. But the the way that Miranda is cheering them on yes. is very like mommy at the soccer game. Like it's yes. too much. Like I, again, I cannot believe I am taking Chase's side, but I fully I understand where Chase is coming from. Like it's too much. It's too mommy. And like, it's so funny that, a woman who once said no one's to fuck mean mommy is now like too supportive mommy. Like it's too much. <laughs> I, Miranda doesn't know how to operate in a relationship where, uh, and it's, it's interesting to me because for someone who is so able to be her own self mm-hmm. in every other relationship, she had romantic relationships she had in her life before Jay. Um, who didn't feel this need and was very tough love mm-hmm. to your point, especially mm-hmm. with Steve. Mm-hmm. Always, uh, oftentimes when Steve needed that, maybe a little more support. And that was totally. a part of Miranda's character where she had to learn how to become this person. Now the dial has been turned to this complete opposite end. And Miranda feels like she has to be in superhero mode whenever something is going wrong with Che rather and, and has to be misfix it for Che. And Che oftentimes is not looking for that just want someone to say, I'm not looking, you know, I'm not looking for you to fix this for me right now. I just want you to hear me out. I want someone who's going to listen and who can just say that sucks. Uh, And unfortunately for Miranda, 
she doesn't know because she has turned this dial to this opposite end now, um, she doesn't really know how to dial it back. Yeah, I think you made a lot of really great points, especially when it comes to Miranda's treatment of Steve. I think that that's part, probably part of like the, if you want to call it backlash, I would say like response to like Miranda seemingly losing her mind in season yeah. one and in part of this season as well. Because for so long, we haven't seen that side of her that we had almost yes. forgotten. And so I think that's part of why everybody's like, Miranda's nothing like this. Like, why are you making her out to be this kind of person when the show has only ever told us that she is like a, a tough ass broad? She's a no nonsense lawyer. Like, why yes. are you getting softy mommy Miranda? Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, you can start to see the cracks in their relationship just even on like a very basic like Che's a night owl. Miranda's an early bird. Like it's just not like it. They're really starting to build the case against them being together, which I appreciate. And I think it really culminates with what I, you know, I think it's, you know, again, not a Che fan, but can't believe they made Che watch that focus group give them feedback. Oh I mean, I know it's like a metaphor for like I everyone know. on the internet coming for every single person that worked on this show last season. I obviously, know. you and I do not engage in that kind of behavior because we think that that's wild. Like, obviously, we have our own opinion on this podcast and we've talked about it, but we're not going to like tweet at charlotte or whatever to tell her that like her plot line is like unbelievable and she's a stupid bad person like that makes no sense it makes so. no sense but I, I, so i understand that's that was the point of that scene but in reality that feels um i wouldn't say far-fetched because i'm sure it's happened but it just felt cruel almost well i just don't see a brand new actor with a brand new show having that level that leverage to be able to be in that room because Usually it's a bunch of producers and writers who would be in that room or like show showrunners. It wouldn't be I don't think it would be the actor. Like I mean, and, not even the actor, Emily, the star of the, the show. Star of the show. It would be notes that would come. There would be a filter. Like exactly. the notes would come from a producer. Because exactly. that's a producer's job. That is actually that's the crazy thing about all of this, really, is that the, there are producers on this show, but I don't really know what they're doing on this show because they were supposed to be in that room getting that feedback and relaying it back to Che because. Well, where's the never... blue haired showrunner to your earlier point? Yes. Um, what's her name? Mac and Abby, Abby McElhaney. Yes. Um, yeah. Where yeah, was she? Where... I don't know. So uh, so that's the beginning of the end because Che has like a really bad day and then they then they start doing a lot of weed and then Miranda goes on a really hilarious Miranda rant talking about how ABC can like suck shit and die, which I saw a really <laughs> funny meme that was like my reaction when they canceled happy endings. <laughs> Um, uh, I really did love Miranda's rant. It really felt like, oh my God, Miranda's here. Like she's arrived. Yeah. She's fully uploaded to the cloud. There's I'm a little so bit of her right now. I see a glimmer behind those beady oh, eyes. I finally, I'm like, finally, there's like a spark. There's like some shit. Like, oh there's my, my angry Miranda. There's that angry New Yorker I know that's like, fuck that person. That's fucking dumb. Like, fuck them. Uh, but, but I mean, when Miranda starts, or I'm sorry, not Miranda, when Che starts talking about how they're like, I'm going to lose my apartment, I. I'm obviously not surprised that Che's bad at money. I just want to say that. That goes no. to my earlier point about the Ikea furniture and not knowing how to quote unquote adult, you know? 
Agreed. Uh, and the other thing is, like, I know Miranda has had some questionable fashion choices in the original run of the show. Sure. But did we really have to do her dirty like we did with some of the outfits she wore in this episode? There was, like, an oversized turtleneck, which I love. I love an or- oversized turtleneck. But yeah, but whatever- it was, like, this midnight blue that totally washed her out. And it really kind of, like... It didn't do anything for her complexion. And I understand that she directed this episode. So like maybe that wasn't obviously top of mind for her. But yeah, that that one was a really that was a woof of a look like there. I know they're they're trying to make her look like run down because this commute's really starting to get to her. But there were some there were some choices where I was like, we didn't have to light her like a ghost. Like She's already been through so much. I know we're all mad at her, but we we don't have to like kick her while she's down. Give her a fucking break. Brady sucks big time. She's That's living in tote bags right now. But I will say that I'm really happy that she's been moving with Naya. That feels yes. pretty gold, like Golden Girls, New York City. Like I'm yes. Close. Um, I can't believe this didn't happen sooner because I feel like you know when you're a of a of a certain class of New Yorker and you have these like spare rooms in your apartment and you know someone's bouncing around. I don't think it's that weird for Naya to be like just crash in my husband's music room or whatever for a couple of weeks and I did you know so we can transition to the other main plot of the episode I did really even though I liked the scene with Carrie and Miranda at like a a St. Paul de Vincent like thrift store trying to buy Miranda (laughs) a mattress which felt crazy okay this is again like she knows the Ikea is so clearly it's not that far off Miranda could buy a mattress but I mean, this goes yeah. to your earlier point of like we have like wealth like amnesia again. We we bonked <laughs> our head and we forgot that we have money and that we're in our fifties and we're established so, right. and we have a good line of credit and we can uh, buy a twin mattress from like Casper. <laughs> like I don't get what we're doing here. I mean, if if you really wanted to like have her go mattress shopping, go to like a fucking sleep train or whatever the fuck they got out in New York. But like I, have them go to a terrible <laughs> sleep trainer or even like a sure, high end mattress sure. store where it's all everyone's whispering and you drink champagne listen the podcast network may be over but i'm sure at least one of carrie's codes for a mattress in the podcast ad still works i know and then have it be funny that like they had to unbox one of these fucking mattresses that take hours and hours to inflate like that's a great plot or how or or at the very least you want to shove them in a thrift store like then get her like to buy a headboard or a dresser or something not a a whole mattress a flea infested mattress thank you though like before carrie said bed bugs that was the first thing that flashed in my mind because one of the first times I went to New York was when that horrible bed bug crisis happened and we couldn't book hotels and we it was a nightmare and it was a shoot oh my god it was tough it was tough stuff but we persevered but that bed bug outbreak really stayed with me so that was the first thing I thought when Miranda jumped on that plastic covered twin I was like oh (laughs) throw your clothes in the trash because you're you're anyway you're about to give not one not two but three houses bed bugs and now we're back on Miranda being a drip. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about Carrie and how much I loved her. What is it? Helen oh, Gurley. Gurley Brown. Oh, my God. I want that whole outfit. It was so cute. It's and so yes, good. she does sometimes dress like that, but I was obsessed. But I have to say, I loved Carrie's plot line. This was so like classic I, Carrie yes. with a tra- like with a trademark T around it. It made but me so happy. The urgent care Olsen twin joke was so fucking <laughs> funny. But I also wrote down Carrie 
Carrie destroys life at every turn because she's just always like, what? I'm in a bike lane. Like, what do you mean? I have to move. I'm like, do you realize bikes have been a cause of death or almost death? Oh, my God. Emily. Yes. Consistency. Is this what we, if there are more than two seasons of this show, will there be a death or almost death by bike by way of Carrie Bradshaw? Yeah, she's like the Black Widow of bike-related injuries. But yeah, I love that Olsen twin line. It really, it really made me laugh. But I, what I also really made me laugh was that every person Carrie encounters from this moment forward fucking hates her. <laughs> she needed it for one episode. I oh, was no. like, don't get me wrong. I, I thought it was very funny and her surprise so at funny. Like, how much she was getting shit on. But she was a good sport. But like at every turn, she's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> just, it really got me just from... Peter Herman just openly hating her at first to like the lady in urgent care being like, why are you talking to me? Go sit down and fill out a form <laughs> to the business partner, which oh also like that's when I knew that that George character was a fucking menace. He took a public FaceTime call with no took, earbuds yes, in. That's no. that is serial killer stuff. Crimes, crimes. But I love even the way she leaves the situation at this episode is such a classic sex in the city way Mm. to leave as someone would still be on the phone telling you their sob story you just skedaddle on out and you're like okay we're just you know bye like it was just the way it was done was just uh it felt like it was back baby new york is back it really did feel that i mean especially like Carrie's assumptions, right? Like when he, when his card gets declined and he can't pay the bill or you think he can't, my first thought was like, just pay the bill. If you're so fucking worried about getting sued, just pay the medical bill and be like, see, look, I took care of it. But she doesn't. And then we go to his house and she finds out, oh, this man is actually like quite wealthy. And then the fact that what comes between them is, you know, not a partner in the romantic sense, but like a business partner that has like a really close and inappropriate relationship, which I just really love. Like, it's especially when the classic, guy, yeah, the guy starts like opening up to Carrie, which causes yes. her to like leave. And he's like, I'm just really stressed, Carrie. And she's like, mm-hmm. Like, yes. And there were I, many times yes. during this episode where Carrie, much like me, just kept talking out of like nervousness. And it really, truly made me scream internally at <laughs> at multiple intervals at her con- during her conversation with this man and with this man's business partner on FaceTime. Like it was just a lot. I enjoyed it so much. Oh, and, and I can't believe that Carrie being a stalker and showing up with food actually worked. She doesn't even do any of the work that she allegedly came over to do. She yes. gets like, it's crazy. I'm like, this woman's charm knows no bounds. And that's, charm and she, soup. and that's why it was it was really humbling to watch her be like shat on in the beginning of this episode. <laughs> okay, that was the last thing I have about Carrie's uh, plot throughout this. But I, I, I really enjoyed her storyline. It really felt like classic sex and I, there were even like little throwbacks to the original show. One, the the plot line, the way she exits, the fact that she cannot uh, stay with this guy because he's got clearly has another marriage in his life. Reminded me of that one where Samantha is dating a guy who has a um, a maid who works in his house. And oh she, yes, it reminded me a lot of that. Oh, a that's, little bit. that's a great episode. Yes, but even the throwback, I messengered it to you. I had to write that line down, Margot, because there is one point in which. Peter Herman tells his business business partner, I messengered it to you, which made me just like chuckle, like, oh, the 90s never left. That made me really happy. Um, But I think I told you this the other day we were having brunch, but I said, 
this felt like the most I've had of an episode of this, the run of this show where you could rewatch it out of order and have fun. Like you need to know kind of what's happening in the background, but like if I caught a rerun of it, I'd stay, I would sit down throughout the entire, you know, 40 minutes or whatever. Right. Yeah. I'm, I didn't have enough time to go back and rewatch it, but I really wanted to go back and rewatch yes. this episode because yes. the last plot line that we haven't talked about are Harry and Charlotte yes. dressing up like the Americans yes. for their Halloween benefit party and yes. um, people not recognizing them, but then they watch the Americans like the next day, like greatest drama of all time. I just thought it was so funny. And they <laughs> specifically have a scene where like Carrie Russell is doing that like side profile pout that charlotte kept doing she's like the americans that's what i'm doing yes oh my god i was just and i love that there is clearly i mean harry was always a quirk like charlotte but like Mm -hmm. i love that charlotte has rubbed off on him because i don't think harry before meeting charlotte would not have taken his americans costume and to spy on rock and charlotte at the ralph Lauren photo shoot that and is i, a charlotte I, love like, I really thought for a minute there emily that he was gonna get like arrested like i, I just because he's going around me like ooh, what's up with like sexy <laughs> kids like, the steve buscemi of it all yes like, i literally Steve-Busch- wrote that in my notes i'm like hey turning into how do you do fellow kids i love <laughs> But also him truly strolling up to that like photo retoucher being like, we got sexy kids on set today. The guy's like, what? <laughs> that was so, so funny. And although so I do funny. not care about rock, um, and I and I and I do buy into them being scouted at, you know, at a park because that's what happens to like rich kids. Um, yes. I thought this was like the perfect amount of child involvement because it wasn't really yes. about them in this campaign. They're it, in the background. Yeah, there was nothing nefarious happening. Like they just got to have a good time and have a good experience. And I'm glad that it proved Harry wrong. It was more so about, you know, Harry and Charlotte. They have fun. And I yes. really like that for the both of them. And like I said, I thought it was going to like maybe, I wouldn't say take a sinister turn, but would take another step up in terms of like escalation. And I'm kind of glad it didn't because Harry just showing up in that wig and being like, well, Carrie liked it. <laughs> and then leaving <laughs> and like whistling was truly a joy. And like, that's how you sprinkle in like a third subplot, right? Like it's not, yes. the stakes are low. It's mostly stakes very funny. Low. And, Very funny, you know. It does, and it feels like it's it fits within the show because there was it's- a quick side cut during Charlotte's Halloween party where it becomes clear, like Herbert, like says something to Lisa yes. about like you can't I be dancing knew- like that with a yes. gay guy because I'm I'm like oh my god I don't fucking care about this. I, I had some notes about that, so it's like oh, really? yeah, I, so- yeah. I don't want to talk too much about it because I feel Not like the more we talk about it, it's gonna encourage them to write more and I don't I want less I don't care about this this is not important to me I think it's funny yeah that Lisa all of a sudden can't wrap along to TLC at a party because her husband's running for city comptroller like okay dude he's acting Uh like she showed up in like lingerie and did a strip tease like all (laughs) she did was dance she's dressed like Bride of Frankenstein she's all covered up and one final note I just have about that plot line. Okay, like I we get it. This man was in the original cast of Hamilton, but must we have him wear his exact costume, Margo? I am pretty sure that is legitimately his costume from the original run of Hamilton that he wears, except for that wig, because he doesn't wear a wig in the show. It's that would be like King George wig in there. But anyway, I was like, okay, we get it. This man was in Hamilton. Let's like 
we're going to have him have sex in the George Washington costume. Let's fucking cool it. But I also feel like <laughs> if what they're setting up with this comptroller business is like Lisa and Herbert heading for divorce, can we just fast forward to them being divorced? Because I really don't care. Either no. way. Either no. way is fine. And then one fun, very sprinkle of a plot was Seema and the penis pump. Oh my I'm god, I like, can't oh. believe I almost forgot to talk about that because that was the other like super nineties with her plot. And it was very low. Samantha like mediocre i wouldn't yes. say one night stand, but I really, I really loved it. And I also I love Seema's like um She's just so resigned. She's like, I know, eh, could have been worse. But that it, the fact that it wasn't because like we've seen fucking little blue pill Viagra jokes this whole time. I'm so happy to see an Austin Powers joke make its way back I into just, the culture. So happy. I feel like I feel like, you know, you love a low energy girl. And I don't think Seema is that completely. But I appreciate that she's a little lower energy than the rest of the gang mm-hmm. because it makes this scene so much funnier where she's just like. I didn't get it off with this B plus penis pump. Great. I'm just going to take my vibrator. <laughs> and she's like, you have a problem with that low rent, Le- Ray Liotta? Because that's, that's what this man looked like Oh, to my me. God. May you're so right. May he rest in peace. Yeah. I also, but I also really love Seema going <laughs> at him. I thought that was very funny. That whole plot was so funny and so deeply and serious. I loved it. I want more of stuff like yes. that. It was great. It was a great spink- sprinkle of a plot. I felt like I could spend five more minutes talking about it. We don't have to and we don't need to, but I had so much fun with it. I just thought it was a refreshing take on ED. <laughs> yes. yes. Also, like, way to go, Naya, on a, you know, a fun little one night oh, stand. Right. We yeah. Yeah. So as, happy for her. As my girl, as my girl Sonia Morgan on uh, Welcome to Crappy Lake was saying in the first episode, freshly fucked. That's the look. We look freshly fucked. uh but this was a fun these were fun episodes and i really really hope this keeps going because like i really do not need it to take a sharp left turn to michael patrick king lane because i just i I, I don't want away i think most of these characters are now going setting themselves up for some fun plot points like Charlotte will hopefully will not go too much down the momager road and will like realize she needs to go back into the art world. And I just, yeah, I hope we keep going because these like fun plots that can end in an episode really are great. And yes, there are some overarching storylines, but generally it's kept light about 40% of the time. And I need that with this show. Me too. I hope it's only up from here. I hope the next week's, or I'm sorry, not even next week, this week's episode, the next two weeks. Yeah. We're going to watch the next two episodes and come back in two weeks yes. with another recap. And so I hope that it's more of the same fun stuff because it's, you know, as much as it's fun to scream about how insane the show has been, I hope that we've left the it, the darkness in season one in season one firmly behind Agreed. us. Agreed. We can just have fun talking about the show because it's more fun when we can like laugh and scream about Carrie being an asshole and, you know, Miranda going on impassioned speeches and penis pumps like that is so that is where I want to live. This is where I want to stay. It's, it's a fun show when it's like that. It's the sex in the city. And and just like that reboot that we've been wanting is like these last two episodes. So let's let's hope the upward trend continues here here. 
Well, thank you so much for listening to our episode. We will be back in the fall with our regularly scheduled Old Millennials programming. If you miss us, want to hang out with us, want to hear more, you can join the Patreon for five. $4 $4 a month. I'm sorry. Uh, More, that, yeah. that gets you a bonus episode on the last Monday of every month. And like I was saying earlier, when we were talking about the SAG WGA strike, all the proceeds from that mostly just go to help us continue to produce the show. It doesn't really go back to us. It goes into the show and into you guys. So if you're wondering about that, that's a little transparency. But if you cannot support us financially, which we completely understand. You can support us emotionally by leaving a five-star review on Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify. Either one will do. Um, We would really appreciate it. And you can also follow us uh, at The Old Millennials on Instagram. And in two weeks, we will be back to talk about more and just like that. And until then, we say bye-bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.